Bank to the Future 2.0 with Chris Titley. In the first episode of Bank to the Future 2, we chat to Dom Pim, co-founder of UpBank. We spoke to Dom in of July 2020 as the first episode of Bank to the Future, talking about UpBank, uh, the digital bank that is attracting a large audience of millennial users. Dom gives us a bit of an update on where Up has gone since July of 2020 and also what he's up to personally. This podcast is partnered with Morgan's Financial Limited, Australia's largest full-service stockbroking and wealth management network. Dom, you were uh, the first episode in the uh, series in 2020 and you are now the first episode in Bank to the Future 2. Dom, thanks so much for joining. Awesome. That's great. Yeah, no worries. Very happy to be here. And Dom, back in 2020, I think it was in July of 2020, you were the co-founder of UpBank, of which you still are the co-founder of UpBank, but a lot has changed since then. So in 2020, we had, um, we're talking about digital banking arising through Australia. There's many competitors out there. And I think Up at the time had a couple of hundred thousand users uh, since since inception back in July of 2020. Let's talk about what's sort of happened since then. It's been a, a, a wild couple of years, but if you, we can go back to 2020 and talk about the growth since then. Yeah. I mean, uh, obviously, um, the world was uh, experiencing a pandemic, which was out of control. Uh, but uh, as a digital business, we were less affected than many other sort of unfortunate people who were affected, whether it was their lives or whether it was their livelihood. So we, um, as a digital business, just grew and grew and grew and we doubled the size of the team. And uh, I think now we have nearly 650,000 customers. So we've come a long way since 2020. Mm. And in terms of the the uptake of technology in banking and fintech per se, you know, post-COVID, I mean, during COVID, there was a, a big uptake. People were worried about their balance sheets and probably still are in terms of personal financial management and, and digital banking. Where do you think we are in regards to adoption here in Australia? Oh, well, I mean, it was always for us, it was sort of like a five-year plan and we're in year four. So I think we're well on the way to launching, <laughs> you know, mm. but uh, in terms of sort of our ambitious goals, we really wanted to be number one in the under 35 segment. And to be number one, I think it's ComBank at the moment, obviously. And so yep. to be number one in, in, in that segment will probably take us maybe seven years rather than five, you know, but that's sort of um, around about, you know, it's hard to guess those things when yep. you're starting, but I think that's around about where we'd want to be. We have seen um, others come and go. So, you know, the, uh, the market is potentially not as buoyant as uh, once anticipated. Um, but up has uh, persisted and we've uh, we've survived and we've done exceptionally well I believe uh, you know and others haven't uh, but um, you know we're I think what we're trying to do is lead the market in providing a great customer experience and helping people with financial literacy and all that sort of stuff that um, you know we're really focused on that I guess banks aren't traditionally focused on you know mm. banks are traditionally focused on month by month quarter by quarter um, half yearly, annual, um, you know, profits, returns, return on equity, return on capital, all that sort of stuff. That that's all important stuff. You've got to run a successful business, but the most important thing is the customer. So for up, it's really been focusing on delivering solutions that no one else offers, and delivering a customer experience that people just simply love. 
I know, Dom, a couple of years ago you spoke about the, the customer service levels and up and how important that is and how important it is to get feedback and, and, and really get in front of the customer compared to maybe some other banking institutions as the business has grown out a little bit. How, how important is that still and how do you get down to the fact that you can respond to people quickly? Well, I think it's um, uh, you know in our in our view it's absolutely paramount. It's it's the thing that um, uh, has sort of differentiated us against the competition as being able to deliver what I call the excellence of everything. It means great technology, great customer support, great user experience, great new features, all all, all the things that you want to deliver an amazing uh, experience, brand and design and the whole lot. And so I think that um, it has been difficult actually over the last sort of, I guess, maybe uh, six months, there've been uh, industry-wide outages and, um, you know, it's blown out uh, the support timeframes and things like that. And so up just keeps um, getting better and better and, and, and really differentiating ourselves from others by providing such a great customer experience. And even if you do have slightly longer wait times than usual, for us, it's also about the engagement when you do make a connection. So, you know, whether it's with uh, animated GIFs or, um, you know, uh, memes or emojis, emojis or yep. you know, those <laughs> sort of things, it might, yep. sound, yeah, it might sound sort of gimmicky, but I think what it does is bring a human element to that customer support. And, and then the type of conversation that we have, it's, you know, we don't use any chatbots or any AI or anything like that. So there's no um, sort of automated responses. You're always talking to a human and you're always getting an instant um, conversation and an engaging conversation with a human. And I think that's, quite an important point of differentiation. In fact, depends who you ask, but probably Tomo and I, uh, my co-founder Tomo, we, we um, mostly think that the customer support is the main differentiator between up and everyone else. Mm. And in 2021, in August 21, at the full year Bendigo result, Bendigo announced the, the acquisition of Ferocia, which was, was you and Tomo to, to acquire the business. Can you talk us through that? particular transaction, the, the mindset, the, the thinking about the, the legacy moving forward? Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting for us because we've been, you know, we started out working with Bendigo Bank building the mobile and internet banking system. And we've been doing that for 11 years, would you believe? So, mm. so on our on our 10th anniversary, uh, UP was three years old and, uh, and we agreed to sell the business to Bendigo. And what that really meant was you know, we, we owned all the IP in, in, in the development of those platforms. And then over time, we shared some of that IP with Bendigo and then we entered into the joint venture for, for UP. And so really what Bendigo were doing was buying out their joint venture partner. Um, and it makes total sense because after 10 years, we developed a lot of things together and we'd also developed a relationship of trust. And part of the acquisition for us was making sure that it would secure up the future of UP and make sure that UP is here to stay. Um, and, you know, we never raised a single cent of venture capital, right? It was all just fully self-funded. And by uh, going through the acquisition process with the Bendigo and Adelaide Bank, not only could we align what I call our moral compass, you know, we had the same values and the same beliefs, the same morals, and we treat customers and people with, with the same respect. So, so, you know, that for us was a really important part of the acquisition, but also important was having essentially, uh, you know, balance sheet funding, you know, like the, the, the bank, the banking group, is a big multi-billion dollar public company, it's able to actually ensure that UP survives and thrives. And so for us, that was a really important part of the acquisition. So yeah, UP's here to stay. We're in our fourth year. And uh, I think something like 93% or something like that of our customers have been new to the Bendigo and Adelaide Banking Group over the last four years. So that means that we're not cannibalizing the existing group customer base either. We're actually bringing in a whole new cohort of customers that are mostly under 35. 
Yeah, I saw that uh, in the in the result that the average age of a Bendigo customer has dropped, and I'd assume that's due to the acquisition of some of the customers from up, which is yeah, predominantly a, a digital first type bank. Since since the the acquisition, what have you been up to, Dom, in regards to your involvement with up your day to day operations, and 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 since the acquisition, how have you sort of found it watching slightly from afar? Yeah, so I, I agreed to stay involved in the business as part of the acquisition. So I probably just um, changed role slightly. Um, we now have, uh, um, you know, over 100 people. Right? So mm. uh, I don't need to be as hands-on as I was in the first three years. Um, so now we've got, you know, a CEO, a chief operating officer, a chief product officer, a chief technology officer. So there's just sort of less for me to do in terms of a hands-on perspective. So I sit on the advisory board with uh, others at, at, across the group at Bendigo. And, uh, you know, the advisory board was specifically set up as part of the acquisition to ensure that Ferocia and UP can maintain independence as part of the group and keep delivering, um, you know, the way that we have and challenging the status quo. So I think that, you know, that's been my major um, contribution since acquisition is uh, maintaining that sort of oversight and air cover for the, for the Ferocia team. Um, but then also on a, a weekly basis, I meet with all the senior leaders and Xavier's the CEO now. So, he, you know, he, he, he runs the business, um, but I catch up with him and Anson and, and, and you know, Chris and the whole crew every week um, to, to make sure that um, we can just do those one-on-ones and I can stay connected. But also I'm still very passionate, obviously, about the product and about changing the banking landscape in Australia. And so I sort of can't help myself. I find myself <laughs> doing demos. On, you yep. know, we do demos every week and, I find myself doing those demos. I did one last week. It was great. And I, I just sort of, um, uh, you know, I can't let go. It's like it's, it's sort of me and Tomo, it's our baby. Um, and I just, you know, it's hard to let go of something like that. So I'm still around. I'm meant to be there three days a week, but it sort of turns into five, <laughs> you know, so, um, which is fine. Like I really love it. So it, it's sort of, it, it's definitely, um, uh, you know, grown up from where it was when we started. Things are much more resolved now. Um, you know, the growth has, has happened very rapidly. We've announced a home loan product, for example, um, because really the next phase for up. So in the last, probably since the last time we spoke, you know, we've been number one rated banking app for the four years that we've been in the app store, like since launch. And last year we were rated the uh, most trusted bank in Australia, along with Bendigo Bank, who also won an award, you know, the same thing, most trusted, but in a different competition. Um, and, you know, to, to be the number one rated bank, and the number one trusted bank is quite extraordinary when four years ago we didn't even exist. So, you know, the next challenge for us from, you know, growth and brand and customer support and awesome features, the next challenge for us is profitability. So what Mm. we're really doing with Apple now moving away from borrowing Bendigo's balance sheet to be able to um, develop our own, right? So, So the announcement of Up Home, which is our home loan product, is actually so that we can generate a margin within the Up business unit. Um, so, you know, we want to be able to, we've got great strong deposits. We're sort of, I think, you know, the current deposits is about 1.3 billion or whatever, but but that's tens of millions. I think we're getting very close to 100 million, uh, sorry, 100 billion that we've brought in new deposits from the big four banks. And so we have a current uh, deposit rate that we carry, but obviously we're transacting billions a month, right? So, you know, the growth has been extraordinary. But now it's about how do you convert that growth into revenue and that revenue into profitability so that we can be accredited for the bank, right? We want to be delivering value beyond mm. just being awesome. We actually want uh, up to survive and be thriving and self-sustaining. And I think that's sort of the next phase of the business, which all of those leaders from Frenchie and Zave and, and, and 
Chris and Anton and all those guys, but the whole crew, like they're, they're, they're now in place to be able to do that and, and I'm helping to support um, through the advisory board but also with the might of um, bending our Adelaide Bank behind it. I remember also meeting you a couple of years ago and you're talking about the transparency and being open to your customers and the tree of up, the features that were, were coming and, and, and were, were, were sort of in the pipeline and sort of got voted up and voted down potentially by um, by, by the users and also the management team. Um, we've seen things like um, Maybuy that you've launched, joint accounts and or two up uh, banking, which is sort of a, a, a twist on joint accounts. Um, the, the tree of up still exists? Is it still around? What are you thinking? Is banking changing dramatically with technologies such as blockchain or other types of payment systems of QR, et cetera? I mean, it, it, I remember wanting to be on a fly on the wall on those the room when you're th- sort of thinking about the future of banking, but what are you thinking about the future of banking? Yeah, look, it's a good question. And you mentioned a bunch of things. Like it's been a while since we last caught up and, and you know, Maybuy was a really big one and it was not only um, a way to, um, you know, spend money you actually have on things that you love, um, but it was also uh, the launch of it was actually done as a physical installation. So we had a, a Maybuy store open up in Melbourne for sort of like a, um, like a, a physical branch, you know, that you could go into. And we did that for just five days. But in that five days, uh, you know, we signed up thousands of new customers and we basically set it up with what we call the anti-impulse machine. So people could come in with any purchases they made on Buy Now, Pay Later or credit cards or whatever, and we would refund those purchases and they had a chance to win, you know, up to 500 bucks. And, and so it was really awesome, very engaging, but it was also a little bit of an experiment for us in the physical world because up is completely digital, right? So our welcome pack was previously really our only um, physical incarnation, you know? So this was a really great opportunity with Maybuy to launch it with a bit of a bang, but also uh, sort of understand how that uh, customer-facing engagement happens in a face-to-face basis. So it was pretty awesome. Um, And then, you know, some of the other things, like you mentioned, 2UP, like 2UP for us is really focused at the time on um, there's probably 10%, of, maybe it's less, might be 5%, but there's a small portion of the Australian population that uh, sort of have a traditional joint account with a bank. And that's because they're traditionally sort of targeted to married couples, you know, people mm. getting a home loan or whatever. Whereas um, we thought about, well, what would you do for the other 90% of the population? What if you're a same-sex couple or if you're, you know, a, a brother and a sister or if you're roommates or maybe business partners or a mother and a daughter or you know, like we were trying to think about, like, what are all the other scenarios where you'd want to share finances? And so we basically built joint accounts for the other 90% of Australians that had never even thought about having one before. And it's worked really well. Last time I checked, and I don't have all the stats in front of me, but the last time I checked, I think about 45, 50% of two up signups have never had a joint bank account with any bank ever. Right. So I think mm. we're really cracking into that other 90% of people as, as sort of originally planned. So, yeah, so there's some of the things that we've done a bit differently uh, compared to the other banks since we last spoke. And the tree of up's still there. It's, you know, it's the public roadmap and it's nearly completed now in terms of its original sort of um, iteration you know, branches yeah. that, that grew yeah. on the tree of up yeah, since we planted it. Um, and, and we have done some pruning. There are a couple of features that didn't turn out to be necessary and other features that we've added along the way. Um, I don't want to steal Anson's thunder, but I'm fairly certain Anson is planning uh, an update to, to the tree of up. Um, because we're just getting up to our sort of, you know, later this year, around October will be our fifth birthday. And by the time we get there, um, there'll probably be a whole bunch of new things. So to your question, what does the future of banking look like? We're not too concerned about uh, blockchain or other technologies like AI or ML or any of that sort of stuff. We're no chat GPT worries or anything. 
Um, but uh, but what we are thinking about is um, how do we help people uh, with their day-to-day lives, um, which has always been core to what we do, how do we provide an experience that's better than any other banking experience than anyone's ever had? Um, and so what we hear from customers is, you know, for the first time in my life, I saved $1,000. Or, um, you know, for the first time in my life, I love my bank. I never thought I'd love my bank. Or people putting up on the homepage of their mobile phone, um, you know, right there with Instagram and Snapchat and, and Google and whatever. So, so, you know, I think people don't even necessarily uh, perceive up as just a bank. They perceive it as the best app on their entire phone. So that's pretty awesome. And that's a really privileged position for us to be in. So so the future for us is how do we help with financial well-being? How do we help people um, to uh, create positive savings habits? How do we help people to own a home? You know, those sort of things are are really what the future looks like for up. So the next iteration of the tree will probably uh, sprout, you know, a whole new trunk and some new branches. Um, and, and instead of being uh, spending and saving, which is where we started, um, we'll still do those things and we've got plenty more to add, um, but we'll also start moving into some other areas and things like uh, owning a home, obviously, but things also like uh, alternatives to credit, um, you know, investment tools, uh, wealth management tools, like things like that, that we haven't really made a, a big splash. And, 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 and one of the other areas, like we talked about two up very briefly, but one of the other areas that we that two up is a part of is what we call multiplayer banking, and so if you start thinking about banking beyond just as one customer, one user, and you start thinking about multiplayer, well, then two up was really just the first step. But you know, having teams using up, having um, yeah. uh, groups of people, having small uh, businesses using up, like th- th- those are sort of uh, the direction that we head in, in in multiplayer banking, which opens up again an entirely new world. And I don't think there's any other banks. That really think about banking in that way. I remember you you mentioned uh, up having the slogan sort of superpowered living, not superpowered banking. It, you know that that iteration of it. It is your life. It is lots of different things all the time. Money is prevalent. It's present uh, in in your life, and you need to manage it that way. And you also talked about being a technology company first, as opposed to a bank moving into technology. I, I'd imagine those are the the messages that will resonate in, into the future with up. Yeah, I mean, the other thing that's become really apparent is that uh, as becoming part of the Bendigo and Adelaide Banking Group, we inherited um, a lot of the um, uh, the tradition and the legacy of the organisation um, and, and not in a negative way, I mean in a positive way. The values and behaviours, um, some of the things that Bendigo does, like not lending to fossil fuel projects, for example, is really important to upsiders. Um, you know, providing local support, so all of our support at UP has, is all done from our Melbourne office. Like, every, you know, the, the support mm. crew actually sit next to the developers. Um, so having local support, um, having Maybuy as an alternative to credit and buy now, pay later, having um, no lending to fossil fuels and then doing other environmentally friendly things, even when it comes to our welcome pack, um, not only is it very cost-effectively um, uh, managed and designed, but it's also fully recycled materials and then it's fully recyclable. Um, and so th- those sort of things have become sort of more front and centre as UP has grown up and evolved a little bit. Um, and, and a lot of that is through the support that we get from Bendigo. Because, you know, Bendigo do a lot of amazing stuff in the communities. And I'd like to see UP doing a bit more of that stuff too. So whenever there's the bushfires or the floods or cyclones or, you know, whatever it is, you know, Royal Children's Hospital Appeals, all that sort of stuff, Bendigo really gets heavily involved in helping local communities. And so I think that, that that goodwill and that sort of northern compass, you know, that, that moral compass, that alignment that I talked about as part of the acquisition, 
um, you know, what I'd like to see is, is some of that um, coming out for upsiders as well, so that upsiders can also be proud of the bank's heritage, but also the difference that it makes in the community. Uh, fabulous, John. One final question. There's a, you know, you're an entrepreneur by heart. You've you've gone through different ventures through your life and had ups and downs all the way through. What's one piece of advice that you give to a, an aspiring entrepreneur at this moment, particularly uh, within the fintech vertical? Well, for us, I mean, you know, the, the the acquisition of the business was really just a stepping stone. What I've been able to do since Up's been acquired by Bendigo is, is start my own family office. Now, and the family office is really about giving back to the industry and helping other uh, founders and other startups be successful. So a lot of my time now when I'm not working on Up is actually spent mentoring, uh, facilitating, investing and working with new founders, uh, you know, students, um, you know, new startups and just helping to elevate the entire startup ecosystem in Australia. Um, and, you know, I mean, that, that, that is really close to my heart and that's something that I'm very passionate about and that means that UP is able to move to the next phase, which is creating those revenues and those profits and, and having those community connections and, and, and doing good for the environment, people and planet. Um, and that's awesome and that's, I'm very you know, proud and very passionate about that. But also for me, for my family office, we started the family office called Euphemia and it's the Greek word for PIM. So it um, you know, has a little bit of um, you know, heritage there as well. Um, at, well, Euphemia has been able to uh, make many investments over the last sort of year um, and, and predominantly um, backing, um, you know, I guess, um, a more diverse range of founders that maybe don't have the same uh, privilege or, or, or the same access to capital or the same access to my experience that traditional startups and traditional founders would have. So we're backing a lot of women founders. So, for example, this year we've had three uh, big announcements in the newspaper about uh, investment rounds that Euphemia has either led or um, co-invested in with other venture capitalists. And in doing that, all three of them were women founders. So we've mm. been able to sort of back women in order to balance the ledger and, and, and help them to be successful as well. But but also, you know, looking out for First Nations and looking out for, we had our first non-binary founder uh, recently um, uh, and international businesses that we've invested in. So it's just been a, like something of a bit of a passion project that's now turned into the family office, which is a business. Um, so backing women founders, doing fintech, and then also doing more of this environmental and, and people and planet stuff. And that's sort of been my outlet to be able to do that. So really what I would say is the key message there is that in, in being successful with UP and, and, and starting fintechs in Australia and you know, PIN payments and, and other successful businesses I've been involved in, I've been able to actually re-inject that money back into the community and back into helping other founders and uh, elevate the Australian startup ecosystem. I'm very proud of that and I'd love to see more successful founders doing that. Fantastic, Tom. Thank you so much for giving the update. It's been two and a half years on the, the Bank to the Future podcast, roughly in terms of the growth of UP and, and the successes that they've seen. And as you, as you mentioned before, it's sort of, it feels like the, the, the finish line, but also the start line in terms of something bigger and broader uh, with the, the, the future iterations of the, the tree of UP. Congratulations on your successes and I wish you all the best with uh, the ongoing ventures with Euphemia. <laughs> no worries. Thanks very much for having me on. This podcast is for general information purposes only and does not take into account anyone's personal circumstances.